0: Okay. Hey, hey. This is a long time coming. We've hey. got a new guest on. Well, this is a return guest. This was the first guest. Welcome to another episode of The End with Adam. I'm your host Adam and this week I got return guest, like I said, first guest from the original season of the podcast, Davin Baxter everybody. Everybody give Davin a hand. We got Davin in in the digital studio today. Um, we're going to be doing a little digital bit of a series. Huh?
1: Digital Airwaves, yeah.
0: Digital Airwaves. Yeah, we're going to be doing a little bit of a series. I don't want this to be the only episode we do together. So let's, you know, let's start slow and, and give them what we got, man. But it's good to connect exactly. uh, over Discord. I know we've been planning this for a little while. But um, I want to first kind of just catch up with where you are now. Um, because the last episode we did, and for those of you who haven't listened to it, it's called Globe Trotting with Davin Baxter. It's the first episode on the RSS feed for The End with Adam. Mm-hmm. So please go and listen to that if you want to hear about Davin's travels across the world. But um, I want to talk about where you are right now. Uh, let's talk about Mexico. Let's get into it. First off, what city in Mexico are you in, Davin? And Just kind of explain it to us. Okay,
1: so I've been living for the past... I guess four maybe four and a half years in a small town called Cholula Puebla <clears throat> and Puebla is another state in Mexico about like two to three hours away from Mexico City and yeah this small town called Cholula it's what the locals call a, uh, a pueblo mágico, like a magic town and magic towns are pretty much known for like their scenic beauty uh, for example we live next to this giant active Volcano called uh, Catapel. We just call it Popo for short um, mm-hmm. Which actually erupts From time to time, it's a pretty crazy thing to see But it's not, you know, overly dangerous Or anything uh, But yeah, Whoa. it's just A town that's known for just Immaculate sun- sunsets uh, It's also a party town We I go to a university Called the Universidad de las Americas I study international relations And this specific school Attracts a lot of Ah, uh, foreign students. So we get a lot of people from like Germany, France, the UK, um, Spain. You know, people mostly Europeans, but we get some other people as well. Um, but yeah, so also like a party town. Like I said, lots of bars, cool clubs, cafes, amazing restaurants. Uh, yeah. So it it's sounds. Just a nice. It's a
0: cultural hub, if you will. Yeah, it sounds awesome, Like almost like a little international town where there's a lot of students and a lot of good places to party. Um, that sounds fucking ideal, man. Uh, and uh, you've been there for seven years, eight years now. First in Mexico City, right? And then you, when did you actually move to Puebla?
1: Um, so I moved to Puebla for the first time about a year and a half after, <clears throat> or about a year and a half into my, my time in Mexico City.
0: Okay, real- oh, so, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, so I was basically, like, moving back and forth between these cities because, I mean, each, th- it was just a different reason each time that I did it. It was usually some fucked up mm. shit that happened to me that I just, I couldn't be in Puebla anymore, so I had to just go back right. uh, to Mexico City, which I kind of considered home at the time. Um, yeah. It took me a while to adapt to Puebla and the sort of, like, law- lawlessness
0: that uh, yeah design. now i like I, I thought that i lived in a lawless city because i lived in new orleans right and course, you know crazy. <laughs> yeah new orleans get i mean don't get it twisted a lot they can yeah. snatch you they can snatch your fucking soul up in new orleans there's no so doubt not, about that get wheezy's from there you know yeah <laughs> don't yeah i'm not trying to make light of that place however at least i feel like in new Orleans, like. There seems to be some level, not all the time, but some level of like a barrier between the craziness, the crime, uh, the you know, um, just the seediness of that town. There's a good barrier, I, I would say, between uptown and downtown. Like uptown is where like people live and it's calm and normal, and then downtown and then the French Quarter is where all the stuff goes down. Um, is, is Puebla kind of situated like that, or can you pretty much catch it anywhere at any time of the day?
1: I would say it's actually very similar. Um, there is what, the way I always describe it, it's a false sense of, you get this false sense of security. Because uh, okay. not much happens here, at least when something does happen, it's um, there. something else will happen a lot further down the road, you know, or, like, in, in terms right. of time. So you kind of get, like, this natural sort of amnesia. Like, you forget that, oh, yeah, some shit happened at this exact place, you know, two mm-hmm. years ago. It was absolutely right. insane. Um, and then, of course, like, the international community that come here, they're coming from different countries. Uh, they want to, you know, have a good time, party, like, get to know people and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so they kind of forget very easily that, we're still in Mexico and you actually, like anything can really happen to you pretty much at any given moment. But Cholula is traditionally and historically, I would say like a pretty safe place. Now, like downtown Puebla, completely different. You know, right. downtown Puebla has some very bad parts um, Yeah, where anybody would tell you, anybody would tell you, <laughs> random people on the street, like the random taqueria people tell you, yeah, go down, like you
0: will not come out. Damn, damn. <laughs> So, yeah, Um. I mean, because you you have a real intimate understanding of like the third world, like I feel like Americans and this is such a harped on topic, right? Like everybody has heard this like, oh, you don't know what the real world is like. But I mean, just for the people listening, like you, I I feel like you were in Turkey. You've been here like you've Mm -hmm. seen that there is this like very thin line. There's this barrier between like civilization and just straight up dog eat dog. Um, I mean, what does that look like in Mexico, like what for for you, at least in your personal experiences?
1: There's so many stories. I mean, I couldn't really, it'd be really hard for me to generalize what it looks like.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: But it's just there are little snapshots of things that that have happened to somebody or things that have happened to me or things that have happened to somebody that I know of or some random person that maybe went to your school or maybe like went to a neighboring school or something like that and you know when you hear these very graphic very grim stories it's just kind of it's very sobering
0: yeah i bet but at the same time
1: one night out and then you pretty much in a lot of ways you forget about it it's like that that seems yeah the way things are done
0: or how people think about it you know they just don't (laughs) I, I totally understand what you mean when you say that amnesia, like mm-hmm. that is such a real thing when it comes to towns like like Puebla or like New Orleans, like that you still, it, I think you touched on the real reason why it's so powerful is because it's a city of, of transient people. It's a place where people are not actually from there, at least the people that you would be hanging out with. right? So like at most, you might hang out with like maybe a few locals, like a handful but like you're usually running into people that have either just gotten there or only a few years in. So like the, they're, they're like understanding their history of the, the, the area that they're in is like non-existent. So like, yeah. it's very easy to, to like just walk past a place where somebody got stabbed and like have no idea. And like, mm-hmm. that's exactly what new Orleans is like, like that, mm-hmm. that I would say those two places share completely in common.
1: Um, I mean, the only thing I would add to that is just that like, I mean, my, the the people that I know, and I wouldn't say like my close circle, but like I do know a shit ton of people out here, and it's mm. not just like foreigners. Like I mean, I've integrated very well into Mexican society as uh, probably as deep as I fucking can. Um, right. With yeah.
0: marrying somebody or having a kid or
1: <laughs> or yeah. whatnot.
0: Yeah, like I'm you so went like, there. You yeah. went there for for the for the listeners, like without really knowing spanish i'm sure you probably like understood some of it and now you speak complete spanish so you yeah, have I mean, immersed I played, yourself yeah. Yeah. as i went as as i'm along um i didn't
1: really start to fully learn spanish until i enrolled into this this university because uh, right. the first three semesters were all in spanish i didn't have a single english class
0: and that uh, was see.
1: so hard <laughs>
0: So I can't hard. imagine. Um, I can't imagine. You had to just learn. You just had to pick it so up.
1: Fucking reading, writing, presenting, and speaking to people all in Spanish and, you know, very butchered, broken mm-hmm. up, grammatically incorrect Spanish. But, you know, you really, for example, I'm taking French right now. You know, I'm mm-hmm. learning French and the basics and the grammatical academic background behind it and everything.
0: Um, mm-hmm. But I don't really feel like
1: I'm really learning it. When mm. I was learning Spanish, it was like, I had to imitate the way other people spoke or mm. speak actively. And for me, like that was the best way to learn, to learn Spanish. And it took yeah, time, I mean, it definitely, took time, what, but it was the most effective, I think.
0: That's what everyone says. Uh, and like, you know, my mother, who's not from this country, uh, she learned English, you know, when she was in uh, Kenya, uh, after she left Ethiopia. And I think she probably learned a little bit in Ethiopia, but she was, she always said like, it, it really didn't matter what she learned until she came here and started speaking to people. Like she mm-hmm. didn't really like get the language. So yeah, I mean, that's a hundred percent it. Um, and I think there's something like very humbling, right. About having to learn a language from scratch. Like it's almost like becoming like having to, you know, humble yourself, like being a child again, like having to learn how to walk again, you know, like something very, uh, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, struggle very much to do, you know, to just kind of put your ego away and say, okay, I'm gonna just learn this language. I'm gonna fuck up. I'm gonna sound stupid. I'm not gonna pronounce things correctly, but eventually I'm gonna be able to just speak it. And that's exactly what happened to you. I mean, dude, I remember hearing you for the first time speaking Spanish like perfectly. And to me, at least it sounded perfect. And I was just like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, We went to the same fucking schools. Like, it's not fair. Like, I don't know Spanish.
1: yeah it's definitely not perfect and i still have a lot to improve on as anybody as any of my mexican friends would tell you uh but still i mean i can definitely hold my own and i get pretty good grades in school even though all my classes still <laughs> pretty much in spanish so i think that speaks
0: for itself yeah man i mean it definitely speaks for itself um i would only like be, you know I mean, I I don't know how I would have figured that shit out if I had to move, especially a Spanish speaking country, because, you know, to me, romance languages, they sound like they would probably be easy to learn, but Mm -hmm. like the way that they, their inflections with things, the way that they enunciate and like, you know, the, the kind of liveliness I can't imitate. It sounds weird to me. Like I, you know, I was born in Miami, like I grew up hearing Spanish all the time and it just sounds almost like too lively. Like a part of me just doesn't want to be that excited while I'm talking. <laughs> um, but uh, but Americans are really lazy when it comes to learning languages.
1: Maybe that's why. Maybe we just have oh yeah a certain thing with the way that we express English. It's just a bit more calm, maybe collected. Um, I don't know. Totally. I don't. Really, I haven't really thought about it. But yeah, yeah I mean,
0: so people, so are very expressive. That is true. Yeah, extremely expressive. So, so I, I did want to kind of delve into just the social world because I feel like that's kind of something that I feel like very few people really talk about when they talk about living in a foreign country. You know, like you ask people, Oh, you lived in, you know, Czechoslovakia. Wow. How was it? And usually, like, they'll talk about the food or they'll talk about, like, whatever their job was. But very few people talk about the personalities of the people of that country. Like, the, the way that the culture kind of forms people. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted to focus on today with you is sort of what parallels and what differences are there. Um, And let me make sure we're still recording because that was a great intro. Yes, we are, okay. So yeah, go uh, fire away, Davin. Uh, What what are the people, the young people of Mexico and Pueblo like? Mm,
1: Fun loving, party goers, They're, they're very funny. Mexican humor is is hilarious uh, when you finally have like a, a comprehension of it. Um, right, you know I don't I still don't really get like Mexican idioms. You know mm. <laughs> those like mm. cultural uh, phrases that they get in their their personal upbringing. Um, yeah, right, that's, right. Probably not very different for them. Like you hear English idioms, but yeah. Totally. Um, culturally, I guess people are very warm. Friendly, open. They they're very interested in getting to know people from other countries. Uh, mm. It doesn't really matter where you're from. Um, I personally, I always thought that uh, because of the sort of tensions that exist between yeah. Mexico and the United States, at least on like a, a political or even geopolitical and economic scale, mm. uh, that they would encounter some kind of uh, confrontation from here and there. Uh, right. But I think, by and large. If I've ever had a confrontation with somebody, it was never really because I'm American. It was because right. of some kind of like personal difference, which um, you know, it sucks whenever you're having a confrontation with somebody in the first place. But at least I'd never really experienced any kind of, I guess, prejudice based on
0: nationality. That's good. Because or, you can't say the same for Americans, you know, American. like Americans American, yeah, Americans wouldn't probably wouldn't be as nice as I'm sure Mexicans probably are to Americans. That's great. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I would say if there is any kind of prejudice toward people, if, uh, you know, based on their nationality, it would be from north to south, pretty much throughout the Western history. You know, like Americans look down on Mexicans, Mexicans look down on Central and South Americans in a lot of ways. Not always uh, not everybody is like xenophobic and you know racist and stuff like that but right. it's definitely prevalent and you can see yeah, that in there. The, like, migrants are being treated in the southern borders and the northern borders of, of the Mexican Republic uh, but yeah, I feel like I'm kind of like moving away from,
0: um, st- social stuff and just kind of talking about political stuff, but um, <laughs> geopolitics, you know what, let's pause right now and, uh, nobody will notice because it's going to just keep rolling, but I do need to, um, uh, cause I just, the car just came back. So let me, um, let me try to pause this for a second Yeah, and we will, uh, We will continue in just a second, folks.